Welcome back to Real Talk, a podcast focused on the reality of chronic illness. Every week, I'll speak with new guests to bring you an inside perspective for Unfiltered Fridays. Here, we'll talk about dating, mental health, invisible illness stigma, balancing school with a condition, and more. I'm your host, Melody Olander. I'm a life blogger, Instagrammer, healthcare solutions grad, and founder of the nonprofit, But You Don't Look Sick. I'm Taylor and I run the Instagram account. She got the pink. I live in San Francisco and a lot of the art that I create for my account has to do with like mental health and social justice, just like feminism in general. It's all pink and red and just those two colors basically makes it easy to pump out content. Yeah, I've been doing it for like a year now, and um, I really started doing it when I was unemployed last summer, and now I am employed and working at optionb.org, which is a foundation that helps folks overcome adversities, and it has a lot to do with mental health and grief and loss, and it's been really cool to kind of transfer those skills that I developed from like my account over to this new job, so that's been really great. Yeah, and I actually follow both of your both of the accounts and I love both. I'm constantly sharing your images on our profile because you know I also love the color pink. It's one of our colors and our theme that we rotate between and I just relate with so much of what you post and you mentioned that you started doing it really when you kind of got unemployed just to talk about these sort of things but really what was the starting point for you to share this publicly online and really start doing this more? I started the account in February of 2020, not knowing that I would have a lot more time very soon to spend on it. So it it really started because drawing for me was a childhood comfort that I used to spend hours and hours and hours of my days doing. And then for some reason, once I went to college, it just kind of like, vanished from my life. I wasn't drawing very much anymore. I was, um, I found creative outlets in different kinds of art forms and yeah, so drawing kind of got like pushed aside and I was seeing more and more art on Instagram that was like digital art. And I'd never really been super into digital art because when I was a teenager and really into it, like the technology was just not there yet. It was pretty shitty. Like I had like this, like Wacom tablet that was like very like it, it, the delay when I would try and draw was just atrocious. And yeah, I just, so I mostly just drew in my sketchbooks and whatnot, nothing digital, but um, I've been hearing more and more about the software Procreate and how a lot of artists were like in love with it. So I decided to buy myself an iPad, which was a really big purchase for me and try out the Apple pencil and get Procreate. And all of this combined was just like incredible. And like, I wish that I had it when I was a kid, cause I would have completely nerded out over it. I, I guess it was kind of like just luck that I started right before the lockdown when I'd soon have a lot of time to spend to draw because once things did shut down, I really like needed ways to comfort myself and like have those coping mechanisms. And I found myself turning to like a lot of childhood comforts, like beyond just drawing. Like I I was also watching like old TV shows. I liked a lot as a kid, like Avatar, The Last Airbender. And like I was drawing again. So it, it was just really a way of like, almost like calming my anxiety. And then like, just like putting it out there was 
kind of a way to share like different things that I've learned from therapy over the years. And then just if there's any like messages that I feel really strongly about, like in terms of current events to have that outlet to kind of put my voice out there. And yeah, it's just been, it's been really rewarding. I feel really lucky to have that outlet and that community. And it's been really exciting. And even though now that I have a full-time job, I don't have quite as much time to devote to it. It's still been like wonderful to have it. And I think just having that outlet honestly makes a huge difference because I know for me, but you don't look sick actually started in a similar way. It was me sharing some of my art and quotes that I related to lyrics that I related to and just kind of sharing what was on my mind and how I was going through it. And it really just helped me process what I was going through at the time. So I had this sketchbook that I was kind of just doodling in and really just expressing how I felt at the time on sharing it with other people. I really, so many people also relate to this feeling, whether it's being isolated, depressed, anxious, even happy. We can all relate to these different feelings, no matter how good or bad they are. And I think with art, you can also experience it in so many different ways, like something that I drew with a certain intention. I was, I don't know, talking about how I felt in the hospital or how I felt while depressed. Someone else might look at it and feel a completely different way. And it reminds them of something completely different that brings them a completely different sense of comfort. And for me, that was, I think, one of the most surprising things for me to see, as opposed to when I initially started sharing it, I was like, no one's going to relate to this. If anything, people are going to think I'm crazy and like what the hell are these thoughts on your mind (laughs) that you're drawing and sharing and it was kind of crazy to see how many people actually related to these thoughts and these drawings is that something that you relate to or something that you experience was kind of feeling anxious to put this out in the world and really getting a different reaction than you anticipated a good question. I mean, I feel like my anxiety and specifically I have social anxiety manifests in very like particular ways. I feel like for me, Instagram is a very like controlled space where I can kind of, in, well, in some ways, like really like have control over how people are consuming my content and whatnot. And I don't know, I just, I actually don't feel that much stress about putting something out there because I feel like people are like really kind. I mean, of course, some people do like post some pretty mean comments and whatnot, but I've changed it so that only people that follow me can now comment because it would get a little too out of control in the comment section. Yeah, strangely enough, I actually, I don't really feel that much anxiety about whether or not people relate to something. I've just found that the like response has been really open and folks are just so welcoming and receiving and so I so I haven't actually felt like that afraid or anything I feel like fear mostly comes for me in the form of having conversations with people especially conversations that are not prompted like the kind that we're having right now it has like a lot of intention behind it and for me something I would really struggle with was just in trying to make friends with people and like having one-on-one conversations I would just build so much on top of it but we could talk more about that later. But yeah, to answer your question, posting the art itself is not something that phases me, luckily enough, or else I'd be feeling a lot of anxiety since I used to post every single day. So, 
And that's definitely something I can relate to because for me, I think the biggest anxiety feeling was actually starting the account and deciding whether or not I was going to do it. So for me, I felt more so anxious about like, okay, is this even worth sharing even? Or should I just keep it to myself and my friends and family? And initially I kind of just posted it to share with, I guess, more people that were relating with me and my experience and honestly, to keep them off of my personal page. Because once I posted this art journal, I was getting a lot of messages from random people on my personal Facebook page saying like, hey, I came across your art journal and I related to a lot of things in it. And I felt almost anxious, like not knowing what to do with those kind of DMs and comments. On one end, I didn't want to ignore them because they related and they're supporting my art and the journal. But on the other end, I also didn't want to be adding all these random people onto my personal Facebook page. So I just started the Instagram page from there and was like, well, I can kind of point them over there, I guess, share my art in that field. So I never really necessarily felt anxious about sharing the art because I already knew that there was people enjoying it and liking it. But I think for me, it was more surprising because I that initial thought was, oh, like, should I share this or should I just keep it to myself? Is it worth sharing? There's so many artists out there. They're so X, Y, Z. There's all these excuses, right? And then seeing how many people actually responded and related to it, I think took away any of that anxiety or self-doubt because now whenever I release my stuff, I know, well, at least one person is going to relate to it, whether they interact with it or not, whether I see it or not, or they comment. I know it's helping someone in some way. And if not, then okay, my next post will hopefully help someone or they'll relate to it. And it's just been amazing seeing how many people actually do relate with these sort of topics. Yes, that is exactly it. Especially now that I've kind of like developed a community, just like you were saying, like I, I'm excited to post and when you're talking about like how your personal page getting requests from there was causing you more anxiety. I I really related to that because I like almost never go on my personal private Instagram anymore with the actual people that I know in real life, because that part of the internet causes me anxiety. I feel like I've perfectly curated my, my public art Instagram so that everyone I follow, like brings me joy when I'm scrolling through my feed. Everyone's very validating and there's like so many like affirmations and it's just a really nice place to be. I really don't have any really like mental health issues when I'm scrolling through my art feed, all the people that I follow there. But as soon as I go switch over from that Instagram account to my personal private Instagram account, and I'm seeing people that I used to work with or like friends that I have, like I'll immediately be hit with some kind of FOMO or like, oh, they have this career thing happening for them. And that's when like jealousy will like kick in because in a lot of ways it is kind of what it's been said before, but people's highlight reels. And like, I just don't follow that many people in my life on my account that I've very much curated to just be things related to mental health and then like social justice. So whenever I switch over to that account, it's just oh God, I don't feel good enough. And then like some bad feelings will come in. So I almost never go on it. And my friends will be like trying to reach out to me. I'm like, I'm sorry, I never go on here anymore. You're just going to have to text me because this is just not good vibes over here. 
It's actually really funny that you say that because I tell my friends the same thing. Like if there's something you send me that you actually really want me to see, like you have to text me because I do not go on my personal page. And by the time I'm done interacting with my business page and scrolling through and posting, I don't really want to then go on my personal page. <laughs> like you said, I have made my page, I don't know, like my own little bubble that I love and that I enjoy being in. It's with all these social media friends that are in similar situations as I am. It's with pages that, I don't know, inspire me or I can at least relate to. I see other people with ports and mainline catheters and getting MRIs or having crutches. And I'm like, oh, okay, I can relate to that. I don't feel as weird. Whereas when I'm scrolling through my personal page, I see my friends out at clubs and I'm like, oh, well, that would be awkward to have to do that with my crutches right now, you know, and you just get those thoughts instead of relating to what you're seeing on your newsfeed. And I guess that kind of answers one question that I had for you in a way, because I hear a lot of people talk about how negative social media is in a lot of light and how it's a toxic place and how you need to stay off of it. And for me, I really feel like at least on my butt, you don't look sick page. It's so filtered. And even if there are negative people, I really don't care. I'll just restrict and block them so they can't post. And then I move on with my day and I forget that they exist. And there's just so many positive people on there that it's a good, happy place. It makes me happy to scroll through there and see what my social media friends are doing and seeing relatable content that when I hear that, I guess, from people, I think, well, that's kind of what you're making it in a way. And if you don't like it, I guess follow something else. <laughs> and for me, I know that that's my own fault on my personal page. Like I follow people who I know in a personal way, whether it's business, whatever it might be. I used to be a model. So I used to just have connections for like business relationships and modeling relationships on there. And I know that I don't have it filtered because that's that persona that I have, right? And that different life almost in a way. Whereas here on the But You Don't Look Sick page, I feel like it's very unfiltered. It's my true self. I can feel 100% comfortable. I know that people are relating to me the same way I am to them. Have you noticed the same? Like kind of, you can make social media what you want it to be. You can make it a positive place if you want it to be, and you can make it a really negative place depending on what you're interacting with. The algorithms, we are aware of the algorithms. We know that they exist. So if you're upset that you keep seeing negative news on your timeline, stop interacting with negative news. If you're commenting on all the negative news things, being like, this is so sad, this is horrible, and liking it and DMing it to all these people saying, did you see how horrible this is? That's what's gonna be recommended for you and keep popping up on your profile. If you wanna see nutrition, follow nutrition places, interact with that. If you wanna see positive, happy stuff, interact with that. And that's something that I've noticed that was, I guess, surprising compared to what I initially thought about social media. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And like you, I do think I need to like do some filtering and cleaning up on my per on my personal page because I do think there's a lot of folks I just need to mute because I can't really unfollow them because it could get messy if like I unfollow them. But mute them at least for now until I feel like I'm in a better place and I can handle that. 
But yeah, I really do think that it is what you make of it. And I do think that some of the troubles that some people feel compelled to follow friends of theirs that maybe they don't have the healthiest relationship with and then seeing their stuff is going to make them feel shitty if it pops up on their feed. So yeah, I, I love that mute button and I myself need to listen to my own advice and use it even more often. But yeah, restrict and block too for people that have like more public facing pages because that's amazing. Seriously, turning off comments to everyone and then just restricting it to people that only follow me was Huge, because I felt like my comment sections were starting to get like a little unsafe, especially since I post a lot about social justice stuff. If I was posting about trans issues or feminism, like especially when it comes to reproductive rights, some people would come in and say the nastiest stuff. And it honestly doesn't really affect me that much. I'm able to roll my eyes at it. But for people that are more sensitive to that kind of stuff, I don't want them to feel like my content is an unsafe place for them to be. Like I want for people to be able to engage in the comments and like share their experiences. So before I would just delete a shit ton of comments, but that just got to be like really hard because there'd be so many. So yeah, as soon, like seriously, as soon as I restricted it, all those comments disappeared and it's just been amazing. So I don't even miss the extra engagement from them. I don't, I don't give a shit about that. Like I want my comments to be a safe place to be. And yeah, I just, I recommend that to as many content creators as I can. I'm just get those comments out of here. You don't need those in your life. Your followers don't need that in their life. You won't miss, you won't miss the engagement. It's fine. And I definitely feel the same way and I do the same. I have it so like only people who follow me can comment and interact. If I get a DM from someone and it pops up in my request and I see that they don't follow me and they're having a negative opinion, I just say, oh, thank you for outing yourself. And I click restrict block and I delete your stupid message. And same if I get a nasty comment or whatever, because the same way it doesn't phase me necessarily you can say nasty comments to me I get them I don't care I can roll my eyes at it and agree like whatever you have your own issues going on obviously but I don't want my followers to feel unsafe and I don't want people in my community to feel unsafe especially when we're talking about these topics where they feel safe enough to open up and talk about it and I'm not sure about you and I can't speak for you, but I know for some people in my community or in my DMs, they're sharing this information with us that they might have not shared in a personal scale yet with the rest of the world, with their family, with their close friends, whatever it might be, whether they're transitioning, whether they are coming out, whether they're disabled, whatever it might be. And for us, they feel like they're safe enough to talk about that. And the last thing I would ever want them to do is feel comfortable enough to open up and talk and then be immediately attacked and critiqued in a safe space. Again, like we said, it doesn't phase me, but I've seen these nasty comments happen before I have a moment to get to them and delete them, whatever it might be, whether it's half an hour, and I'll see my followers engage back with them and it end up like this whole argument and me getting DMs from my followers saying like, this really upset me. Like it threw off my whole day. They, and I'll reread the comments and it'll be nasty comments, of course, from someone who doesn't follow the page, who isn't a part of the community. And by the time that I deal with it, these other people like already feel upset and flustered by it. And it's sad for me to 
see that, you know, and feel like they have to protect themselves in a safe space. I definitely do that too. I filter it so only people in the community can talk because you're a lot less likely to complain if you follow me. If you do get to the point where you follow me and you decide to be nasty, you're going to get blocked and restricted. I don't care. <laughs> like, I don't have the energy to deal with hate and anger and ignorance in my bubble. And if that's how you want to feel, great, go do that somewhere else with people who feel the same way as you, but not in my space. So I definitely agree. And I love those buttons. And even in my personal, my personal page is muted so much. So people that annoy me or whatever, or that I don't want to see, or it makes me feel bad. I love that mute button. I'm so happy to exist. <laughs> me too. Yeah. I, like you said, uh, I do not have the energy for that stuff and I'm not interested in debating in the comments, especially about things that ha- like, if I have to do with like human rights and like people's identities, like I am not interested in that at all. They can Google if they really truly wonder, but I think most of the time they just want to pick a fight. I do have some followers that are pretty young, which is really surprising to me. And a lot of them have messaged me and they're in like high school, sometimes even middle school, which is wild asking about coming out, being bi, because I'm bi too. And I talk a lot about it on my page and I'm 26 years old. So I've done like a good amount of living so far. I've been in therapy. Like I know not to like trust everything that I see on the internet. And I just think I'm not as impressionable, but yeah, especially when those younger folks are engaging on my posts, I just, I don't want them to have to see anything that is invalidating to them. Yeah, especially like we've said, there's enough of that negative energy online when you look for it. There's enough negative things being talked about. I don't want my page being one of those places. I have filtered it for myself and made it this safe bubble. I want people to feel the same way. I want them, if they relate about talking, whatever it might be, if we post something about pride week or pride month I want my followers to be able to comment on it and like say that they're happy about it and talk about why they're excited for this month but I don't want some random person to comment being negative sharing their opinions just because they're a hateful angry person like you said we don't have the time or energy and it's kind of funny because those people will be the same ones that try to debate to me that they're worth my energy arguing back like I'll delete their comments And then the best thing will be, I'll get a DM and they're like, I'm entitled to my opinions. You're trying to filter, blah, blah, blah. Like, and I'm like, yeah, I am trying to filter your bullshit. So other people don't have to hear it. Like, (laughs) like, I wish I could filter you in real life too, because trust me, I would do that. I don't want to deal with you. I'm going to make my environment as happy and toxic free as possible. And if that includes hurting a few feelings with the block and mute button, well, hopefully it teaches you a lesson to be a little bit nicer of a person and maybe you won't get blocked. I don't know what to tell you. Nice people usually aren't getting blocked for no reason. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, you kind of deserve it at some point. And I guess just a huge thing with two, like we said, we're both comfortable. We don't mind the hate that comes with talking about this. That's why we talk about it on an open scale you know where we can take the hate that comes with it because we know ultimately it helps the people seeing this in the media and social media world and something that you mentioned that i really relate to is going to psychology 
like to a psychologist for all these years, that's something that's helped me mentally so much more that now if someone is to yell at me and say a negative term or whatever, I really won't care. Whereas before it might've, I might be able to act like I didn't care, but deep down it affected me and I was still upset about it, but pretending like I didn't care and whatever it might be. Whereas now I can realize it's as ridiculous as if you have blonde hair and someone's screaming at you saying, hey, your brown hair is stupid. You'd be like, um, I have blonde hair. I don't know what the hell you're talking about, but do you over there with your angry self, boo? And that's at the place where I feel like I'm at. Whereas before I would be like, oh, why are they telling me, oh, my blonde hair does look kind of brown. Like maybe my roots are showing, whatever it might be. It really does come with that new self of confidence that comes over time. It's not something that comes overnight. It's something you have to constantly work on. What has that been like for you and getting to that place of growing that confidence and feeling comfortable enough to share this with the world and not really care about the backlash that might come with it? I love that question. And I feel really proud to talk about this because I think that it is proof of growth. And for anyone that's younger listening, I feel like that is like a really beautiful thing about aging and like getting older is that you do start to just give less of a shit and like you start to know yourself better. And um, if you have the privilege of going to therapy, then like you really can dive deep into what shaped you into the person you are and like how, like ways in which you can deviate from that or grow into someone else or like really, I don't know. I just, it just really allows you to like get to another level of introspection that can be so healing. And I just really feel like I've learned how to take care of myself over these last couple of years. I only started going to therapy in 2018, which doesn't sound like that long ago, but I've just, I've felt an enormous change since then. Um, I used to have pretty debilitating social anxiety, like, especially when I was in high school and college, I just did not feel comfortable being a person, being perceived, being around others and really struggled to make friends because I was so judgmental in my head about it. I, I, when I even learned like the term, like social anxiety, it was like equal parts, really comforting to know that there was like a term for it. And I know that you've talked about this too, in you like getting diagnosed that there's this feeling of, of like knowing you're not alone and there's like a community. And like, then you can kind of do like internet deep dives and like other people that are, have dealt with what you've dealt with. But at the same time, it was really hard for me to even come to terms with that. And like my first couple of times attempting to go to therapy, even like mentioning social anxiety, I would start sobbing. So my first couple of times in therapy were like very awkward and weird. And I actually felt some judgment from the therapist that I was talking to. And maybe that's because as a college counselor and they see so many people that they just don't have time and like maybe not as much compassion to give, but for anyone that is considering going to therapy and hasn't before, my number one advice that I can give is to not give up if like the first person you speak to, you don't click with or feel weirdness with, because it is kind of dating or making friends in a way. There are so many different therapists out there with so many different kinds of specialties. And like, it took me several therapists to find the right treatment slash therapist for me that actually was really effective. Just give it another chance. The biggest thing that I can advise because yeah, I had a lot of terrible experiences. <laughs> and it's funny hearing you say that because 
that's exactly what I tell people when they're looking around for a new psychologist is consider it like dating. Say you're online dating. I don't know. I haven't done it, but say that you're swiping through these online people and you decide to meet up and go on a date with them. The first person is not likely to be your soulmate and you're not likely to click with them. You might be like, oh, okay. Their pictures are cool, but in person they have this annoying, whatever it might be that's fine. You're not supposed to click with every single person. It might take 10 dates before you find a person that you click with. And for some, it might take 20 dates. I've been seeing psychologists since I was young, since my parents divorced. I think I saw the first psychologist. She was cool, I guess. She knew how to talk about kid problems. But once I actually started having health problems, she really didn't know how to help or talk with me. And I could see that really disconnect of, okay, we're really don't have any further progress to make here. And that's okay too, is liking a psychologist for a certain amount of time and then realizing that you're not making any further progress and look for someone new to make progress with. I've seen so many psychologists where like for a year, I feel like I progress with them and then there's no further progression to be made. And I feel like there's nothing else to talk about. And it's been maybe 10 sessions and I just kind of feel like, wasting both of our time at that point. And I find a new psychologist and they teach me completely different methods and ideas and a whole different perspective that I'm thankful I made that jump, you know, and it's not easy. It kind of is like going through a breakup and be willing to redate again. But now similar to you, I've been with one psychologist, I think for the past four or five years. And I love him. He's amazing. Like I think of him as like my grandpa figure and he just has helped me so much. And I feel like similar. One of the biggest differences that's helped me in my growth and in my mindset. Whereas before I would talk to one psychologist about the things I would go through my, I guess like PTSD with medical trauma and whatever. And she would give me the look like, oh my God, I am so sorry. Like, and to then where I felt like I needed to comfort her and I'm like, oh no, it's okay. It's not that big of a deal. Like, sorry. Like, and then this psychologist, I would like almost like try to scare. Like I would like tell him like the worst things and he wouldn't like mention, he'd be like, okay. And, and I'd be like, and then I would keep talking and then he would just like still would interact and he'd be like, oh, okay. Yeah. And like, he would talk about it and I'm like, huh. This is interesting, like having someone actually listen to what I have to say and not treating me like I'm a victim for it, you know, and it really allowed me to start healing in a different way, being, I guess, able to fully express myself and talk about these situations and experiences that I felt. So I completely relate there. And like you said, it's not an overnight process either. It's not like you find this great psychologist and every single session, you're like, oh, I feel like I'm a better person now. Like it's some sessions I'll leave and I'll be like, I feel like we didn't cover shit and I don't (laughs) feel better at all. And then other sessions, like I'll leave bawling and I'll be like, why the hell am I crying about my dog I had when I was four that died? Like, and it's just like, and then realizing a year or two down the road, damn, I've grown and my mindset has changed. And I've realized all these traumas I've had before and all these experiences that have shaped me, but I can realize it and grow from that as opposed to 
ignoring them, which I feel like a lot of the time is the tendency, especially in this culture, to ignore problems, ignore issues, and hope that they don't exist, you know, that they don't happen. Whereas when you really deal with it and you really face your insecurities and your struggles and what mental health issues you might have, that's where you can really grow from it and not see it as a weakness, but see it as a strength. Totally. Yeah. I, one thing that I read um, that really helped me when I was, when I was struggling was this book called how to be yourself by Ellen Hendrickson. Yeah. And I had always like framed my social anxiety in this like kind of really, really heartbreaking way in that like I, I was like, okay, so if the purpose of living is to make beautiful connections with people and I don't know how to do that, then like, what is the purpose of me being here? Like, I'm going to live a dull life that isn't full of beauty because I'm not able to make connections. And apparently that is what brings meaning to so many people's lives. And in her book, like one thing that really stood out to me was she was talking about like, how people with social anxiety tend to be some of the most like empathetic and compassionate people and like really good listeners and people that really care about their friends and are very loyal. And just hearing her frame it in that way was just like really validating for me. And it made me like kind of make friends with my social anxiety in a way rather than like trying to like just push it away. And I loved what you said about like facing, facing your mental struggles too, because the original therapy that I was in that was, that proved to be kind of unhelpful for me was talk therapy, just general talk therapy. And, and like you said, you can get certain things out of different kinds of therapies um, and then realize that you're not making any progress and move on from there. So the talk therapy really did help me with like dealing with kind of like general stress. Like I had just graduated from college. I was in an internship. So in a workplace for the first time. So she was helping me a lot with those kind of general like stressors that a lot of young adults deal with. But in terms of social anxiety, like she just did not have the tools to help me there. And then the next therapist that I went to completely used cognitive behavioral therapy and exposure therapy. And I was in group therapy specifically for people with social anxiety. So there were like six of us in a room that came together each week and exposure therapy was amazing for me because it was literally having to face your fears. And we had to like do this thing called an exposure ladder where the bottom was more easy things that we could conquer and working our way up to like scarier things. And there was one time where we took like as a therapy group, like a little like trip to the mall nearby. And we had to do all these things that we found scary for ourselves because everyone's social anxiety manifests in different ways. But mine was very much in the kind of way of embarrassing myself or like people judging me. And so like we did things do like random, like jumping jacks in the middle of the mall, or if like a salesperson was trying to help you out, like ask to try on like all these different kinds of shoes and then say thank you, but no thank you. And like, usually I'd be the kind of person that would just like buy something just because I felt bad if someone was helping me. So basically it was really concrete therapy for me and gave me like very like tangible tools to use in everyday life. Really since that therapy, I've changed enormously and um, just like having those experiences really, um, it sounds like, like kind of like hyperbolic, but it really did change my life and I'm so thankful for it. So um, yeah, I, I can't say enough good things about therapy. I could literally talk about it for hours. <laughs> 
I seriously feel the same. And I'm that annoying friend that literally tells everyone like, you should see a psychologist. Like, and then I feel like they take it offensively. Like it's a bad thing. And I'm like, no, like psychologists are just so cool and so helpful. And it's great. I feel the exact same. I feel like my life has essentially changed from finding a good therapist and something that I definitely relate to. It's not that we're not afraid anymore or that we don't feel this fear. It's that we're, I guess, willing to go past it and willing to face this fear. And for me, a lot of the time, like I've done a lot of crazy things. I've done a lot of things where people are like, I could never do that. Like you're insane. That terrifies me. And it's not that it doesn't scare me. It scares the crap out of me. I still feel the same fear, but I want to conquer that fear. I want to get past that feeling and tell myself like, yeah, it scared the crap out of me. I thought I was going to die, but I got through it. So obviously if I didn't die doing that, (laughs) whatever it might be, it's a nice way to then like remind yourself whenever it might be, say you're for your experience, you're having a panic attack at the mall. You can remind yourself, okay, I've gotten through this before. I've done this as an activity. I've done this with people who are feeling the exact same way. I didn't die. I got through that experience. I can get through it this time as well. And it gives you something to almost remind yourself and ground yourself and get back in the moment and get through it because sometimes that's all you need. It's to just get through that couple of minutes that the panic attack lasts or the depression episode lasts. It's You don't need a cure for it. You just need something to get through that moment sometimes. And that's something that I've noticed for myself. Totally. Um, One of the most fulfilling experiences for me actually was a moment of rejection that I went through. And it was during like one of our exposure um, experiments when we were at the mall, like one of the assignments I was given was go up to someone and like, we're like, basically you're bugging someone about something that scared me the most. Cause I hate asking things of people, especially strangers. Like I don't want to weird people out. And I, I should have just known that it'd be fine because in San Francisco, which is where I live, you have Greenpeace people like all over the place, like asking like for your signature, like you have like people like asking for this and that. So people are very used to like being stopped on the street and asked and, and asked things, but I, it, it very much scared me, but um, I went up to this person, this random person and um, asked them the thing. And then they're very much like, they didn't even like really acknowledge me. They like looked at me and then just walked right past and totally like rejected me. And that was so helpful for me to experience. Cause like you said, like, you're not going to die. And sometimes like experiencing that worst case scenario that you have in your head is like really helpful because you know that it's going to be okay. And that was like a huge, like a huge lesson for me to learn in that moment. And that I've really carried with me. Um, You're like building it up so much more than what it is in your head. Yeah. And that's generally what I've noticed is thinking about it and prior to actually doing it is way worse than actually doing it. Chances are everything that you're thinking of what could go wrong, like the worst case scenarios, they're probably not going to happen. And I mean, it's exciting to know, but like it sometimes prevents you from doing a lot of things as well, because thinking, okay, 
I could go to college, but what if I fail? What if I end up wasting tens of thousands of dollars? What if I look stupid? There's all these what ifs and all these excuses and all these possibilities to keep you from doing it. But when you actually start doing it, you realize, okay, it wasn't as scary as I thought. And if it is as scary, you get through it and you learn how to cope with it. So then the next time it happens, it doesn't feel as scary. And I feel like you can't ignore and avoid living life just because it's scary sometimes. And I feel like that's the biggest takeaway that you get sometimes out of these experiences is scary stuff is going to happen and that's inevitable, but you can't avoid life just because the scary stuff might happen. Yeah, that, that's very much when I knew that was at the point where I knew I needed help was when I realized that I was getting in my own way and I wasn't living the life that I wanted to live like that. I, I, I kept like kind of sabotaging myself in a way. And I feel very thankful that I now have the tools to do the things that like, like whenever opportunities are extended to me, or if I want something, social anxiety is not going to be something that prevents me from doing it. It is something that's going to be there, but it's something that I know how to live with and work with. And letting it beat me is something that would stop me from getting to do cool things like, like, like talking to you right now, you know? So yeah, I have a sticky note on my mirror, like whenever I do my makeup and it says, um, feel the fear and do it anyways, which is kind of what you were saying earlier. And that, that very much is something like I hold close to my heart because it's like what you said, like the fear doesn't go away when people do say like, I could never do like, how do you do that? Like the fear is very much present, but um, we've just learned how to, how to live with it and how to, how to manage it. Yeah, I definitely feel the same exact way. And honestly, this has been such an amazing conversation with you and I've loved getting to talk and I feel like we've covered so many amazing topics not knowing where this conversation was going to go, just wanting to talk with each other. I think it's been amazing and we've related on so many different topics. Is there anything else that you want to say to finish us up? Um, I just appreciate you having me here. I've never been on a podcast before and it's kind of been like on my like list of things to do. So um, I just feel really excited and um, I'm really appreciative of the opportunity. Of course. Thank you so much. I'm so happy for you joining me today. And it's been awesome getting to talk with you. Yeah. Thank you so much, Melody.